Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. Ben Knight, welcome to the Empire Builders podcast. Um, your business has exploded in the last 12 to 18 months. But I see a lot of people get stuck. How come it's been different for you? Thank you for that, by the way. Appreciate that. <laughs> so the easy answer for me is the people I surround myself with. A hundred percent. So it all kicked off for me, like the start in momentum and stuff because I joined well, mastermind. Yeah. Surround myself with people who are doing more, believing more was possible, proving that more was possible. So it just pushed me to do more. Mm. Since I moved up through the levels, I've then upgraded my network as well. Makes sense. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've upgraded through the levels. Yeah. I'm about to achieve <laughs> ultimate whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, but essentially, yeah, knowing yeah. a lot more people, even just at events and things like that, yeah. I think if everyone around you is doing more, you haven't got a choice but to do more. Yeah. Yeah. People surround yourself with uh, who you become. And I see, um, you know, we're, I follow you on Instagram. Hopefully you follow me back. I do. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I follow you on Instagram. I see that you're always um, you're always out at events, networking. I think you went to Marbella recently. Was Marbella? Mm -hmm. Recently, one of my favorite places in the world. Funnily enough, me and my wife only talked about it this morning. Um, like you're putting yourself in environments and around the right people. I think that's critical. Um, 18 months ago, if I remember correctly, you were um, coaching one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, you were coaching business owners how to trade the stock market um, in as little as five minutes a day. There you go. Very nice little plug <laughs> for your tagline. Um, so what's changed over that 18-month period other than the people you surround yourself with? Because you're not just coaching people one-on-one -on -one now. You couldn't have got the business the size it is if you were just coaching one-on-one. -on -one. So how's the business model changed? So the first step was understanding my value. Mm. I was very much undervaluing my services, which I think a lot of business owners do at the start. How, how badly were you undervaluing <laughs> yourself and your services? Like, give us a flavor. I think at one point I had a course that would literally set you up for life financially. It cost about £97. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, by, by the way, you know what's funny about that? Um, not only are you worth way more than that, of course, the, the, the knowledge, the expertise you've got is worth way more than that. It's not even that it's worth more. It's that if someone said to me, I'm going to give you everything you possibly need to be financially free for life for 97 quid or $97, I'd be like, that can't be it. That can't be true. It can't be real. Um, so in order to actually validate the promise, it has to carry a relevant price tag. <laughs> So you were like, was it £97 or dollars? Not that it really matters. Pounds, it was pounds, pounds yeah. Okay. Um, it was £97 for a course. Mm -hmm. um, and what would they get in that course? It was actually an online video course. Okay. okay. So at least it wasn't too much of my time. But yeah. I, I know this now. It's the same. It takes the same effort to sell something for five grand as it did for... Yeah. yeah. Um, and so now, current business, back then, you know, online course, 97 quid. Um, and I think you were doing some one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. Yeah, what yeah. were the rates or fees for that? It was about £400 for three months. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. But you know what the funny thing is? You're teaching people how to be financially free. You can't get financially free on 400 quid for three months. Um, 
So that's kind of where it was. Um, and, you know, there's probably people listening to this, watching this that can relate, that going, yeah, you know, that's kind of where I'm pricing my products and services right now. So what's the, what's the core offering now? What's the business model look like these days? So still got the one-to-one -one and yeah. a group program. So the one-to-one -one is 6K plus that um, for three months. Okay. And again, the strategy will make money for the rest of your life, less than five minutes a day. Yeah. And then the group program is two and a half plus that. Yeah, yeah, for three months, just more structure. Yeah. And by the way, look, you know, that's, um, I hope everyone who's listening to this, watching this, gets where I'm coming from. That that does not mean that, you know, you are wrong or bad for, you know, undercharging. And to a degree, right now, you're probably still undercharging to a, to an extent. And um, for me, the name of the game is like incremental increases over time. And, you know, when I look at, our uh, fees for for people joining our masterminds you know they've they've what more than quadrupled in the last probably five six years um are they four or five times better than they were probably not but it's not really about um the quality of the product or service the the fee or the investment or the amount of money somebody pays for it it's it's really about um juggling your capacity and your desire to deliver the service with the price point. It's really just a simple equation of supply and demand. Um, you know, and for, for us, you know, if our masterminds were what they were five or six years ago in terms of investment, we wouldn't have the infrastructure to support the volume of clients we've got. And so we wouldn't do a very good job of it. So I think you've got to always, there's, there's, more, there's more to it than just charge more, um, always in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing to, to consider with charging more is you attract a different type of person. Yes. A higher quality client. So yeah. Speak, ones that actually want the results yeah. and are actually easier to deal with. Yeah. And, and you know, I think, I think that um, when you were £97 for an online course or £400 for three months of coaching, <laughs> I couldn't say that that's mine. Um, back then, you still had immense value to offer and to add. The people that purchased wanted the result. Mm -hmm. They say they want the result. Yeah. And they did, they believe they want the result. The question is, and when you talk about the quality of the client that you attract, um, that's not to say that some people are good, some people are bad, some people are better than others, they're just different. And I think you, like me, like most people would prefer to work with a client or would prefer to attract a customer who is willing to do the work and is fully committed. And the fact is, the more somebody pays, the more they're likely to pay attention. Um, not just in terms of having a coach to help them be a better investor or have somebody work with them on their business growth strategy, but you know, even a product. The more you pay for a product, the more likely you are to use that product like if if you pay, um, I've got another question for you in a minute um, around what you like to spend your money on. I know you're a bit like me; you, you, you like to spend money on clothes and stuff. But like if you spend um, six hundred quid plus on a pair of trainers, you are going to wear those trainers um, because if you didn't, it'd be a waste of money. Um, now the funny thing is, will you wear them as much as a sixty quid pair of trainers? Probably not, but because you want them to last longer, right? So you value them more. You'll look after them better. Mm -hmm. I guarantee. When you're wearing them six hundred quid trainers, you're cleaning them, 
Like crazy. Football, yeah. You're not playing football and you're cleaning them after everywhere, all these things, right? Because you value them more. So you're more likely to look after them. Um, in the same way that somebody pays you more for your course or for three months worth of coaching, they're more likely to value it, show up on time, consume all the content, actually implement, and therefore get the result. Um, you know, get value, uh, get value for money. So what why do you think so many people get stuck? Since your businesses, I mean, you know, we've talked about this privately, I'm sure you wouldn't mind me sharing, more than 10x in the space of, what, 18 months? Um, so what, why do you think so many people get stuck and don't have that same speed of growth that you've had? I think there's two things. I think people greatly underestimate the amount of commitment and discipline it takes. Yes. To build a business. So what I think you're saying is people have an unrealistic expectation of how easy or hard it's going to be. Yeah. Um, in terms of just day-to-day activities, nothing like you need to be super talented or anything like that. Yeah. I don't believe that's true. Yeah. I think it's being able to show up every day. I think you've said it before about managing your personal state Yeah, is crucial. Well, what I always say is running a business is probably the, the greatest personal development experience you're ever going to have because it will challenge you in ways that you'd never thought possible before. The... the the other bit to that, which I don't talk about as much, there's actually two things that will be the greatest personal development challenge or experience. One's running a business. The other is living in harmony with a significant other. <laughs> like actually living under one roof, creating a family together, all of that is like, that is going to stretch and challenge you and it's going to fire off all your um, patterns and triggers and emotions and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think people underestimate how hard it is. Um, and the other thing I would say, because I said there was a second thing, would be the call it shiny object syndrome. Yeah. In that there's so many opportunities out there and they all work. Yeah. That's the thing. But they only work if you work at them. Yeah. Uh, it's distraction, really, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's it's distraction. I think those two things are very closely linked because the more, e- the easier it is for you to be distracted, mm. the more likely that you're going to um, underestimate how focused, how difficult it might be. Uh, you know what I think? I think a lot of the reason why people have an unrealistic expectation of how difficult or hard it might be, I think these days, like, we're, like people are giving stuff on a plate. You know, uh, you know. I mean, you're you're a lot younger than me. How old are you? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. So you're twelve years younger than me. Um, you know, I think we're we're in a um, we're in a world where, like, you know, medals are being given out at school for like seventh and eighth and ninth place. And I'm all for inclusivity. I'm all for, um, you know, involving people of different skills and different um, aptitudes in different areas, giving everyone the chance to win and succeed. But ultimately, as soon as you grow up and you get into the real world, you are not going to get it all given to you on a plate. You ain't going to get any medals for seventh rate place. Um, and I think because of that, and I think that's probably been more, more common Certainly since I left school, um, which would have been what, like late 90s, 2000. It's, that's how old I am. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's, I've got a jab behind the camera here. How old are you? I mean, I feel like such an old fart here in this room with you two. Um, you know what's funny? It used to be me. Back in the day, it used to be me was the young guy on stage or on camera. And yeah, here I am now being the old, miserable fart. Um, no, but I, th- I think, you know, since like, you know, the, the kind of, 2000s uh, plus, you know, that, that, that kind of like um, everything given to on a plate or, or celebrating mediocrity has been 
become more normalized and, and I do think that gives people an unrealistic expectation. The other thing is that the so the, the social media world now makes everything look really easy. Yes. Um, you know, you see whoever you might follow um on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or whatever platform you're on, you see all the, the success and it looks easy and it looks like, you know, laptop lifestyle and champagne and cocktails on the beach. But no one sees the work that goes on behind the scenes. And I think that's misleading. Absolutely. And I think ties back into the point of so many distractions and everything like that. Like I know you and I talk a lot about like the webinar yeah. and all like how to utilize them. That's the big thing that made the shift for me when I joined Mastermind. If I think how many webinars I've done, yeah, like so many now. And how still many do you reckon? Well, I don't know. Well, 18 months. Let's work out roughly. Yeah, how often do you do them? Two a month, but at the moment. But then before it was like I was doing some weekly ones. I was doing a lot. So, so you probably got 50 plus yeah, easy, webinars. Easy. easy. Yeah, yeah. So like, and my guess is that if you, uh, have you got a recording of one of your first ones? I, I do. So you I should do. watch it. <laughs> I, bet, uh, I want to watch it. Because like if you, if you look at your first webinar or two or three versus now, I bet the difference is night and day. Well, but that's the work. Like, and whereas a lot of people, what they will do is they'll test something, whether it's a webinar or whether it's doing something on social media or whether it's a podcast or whatever it might be. And if they don't get the result and the benefit straight away, mm. they give up or write it off as that doesn't work for me. And you probably could have done that in your first webinar or two, mm. and you wouldn't have got to webinar fifteen. You wouldn't have ten x more than ten x your business. Over 18 months. Yeah. I think the dangerous thing actually with these is when you do get the result the first time. Yeah. Because then your expectations are really high. Like, I mean, my first webinar, 6X the business, in my first month of Mastermind, right? Yeah. With that first webinar, I was like, oh my goodness, jackpot, this is easy. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't always do that every month. Yeah. But you've got to stick with it throughout that. I think sometimes the, um, the biggest gift is being humbled. Yes. Like the biggest gift is um, doing a web, the first one, you know, six extra business because you'd not you'd never done a webinar before and sold in that environment where you can make multiple sales at once. Um, and then like the biggest humbling or, or the best experience actually didn't feel like it at the time would have been like get no sales. Yeah. Um you've had that? Yeah. Yeah. In, in the later ones as well, which yeah. is when you think you're getting better and then bam, mate, just... mate, check this out. I spoke at an event last week. There was Jab, how many people were at the um sales and closing certification last week? Twenty yeah. 27 people, zero sales. Mate, I was humbled. Yeah. I'm like, look, you know, I, I, I did the presentation I normally do. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't 100%. I was literally, um, I just, Gav knows, because we were filming a podcast and then we stopped midway through the podcast episode and he went, I've just had a message pop up. I think you're supposed to be at the dentist in 10 minutes. I'm like, shit. Oh, God. <laughs> so I went to the dentist. Like, I go, is it going to be like a, serious thing and she was like well yeah we're gonna have to numb you up and i was like oh i thought it was just like a little routine thing and she's like no no we need to numb you up and i was like oh, yeah i'm a bit tight i'm on stage in like two hours and she goes look you know um she went we can we can reschedule i was like i'm here now just go for it so they numb me up the numbing agent didn't take so like i'm she's like drilling and it's killing me i'm like that is that has not worked she was like oh, i better put some more in so she like doubles up on the numbing agent so I get on stage two hours later, I'm like spitting. I'm like, I can't feel my gum or my tongue or anything. Anyway, I think I got away with it. I did tell them at the start, I went, look, if I spit on you, it's because <laughs> I've just like, I've just been in the dentist chair like, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, an hour ago. Um, but I made no sales. I don't think it was related to the fact that I was 
um, that I was numb around the mouth. I don't think you could tell. But um, but yeah, humbling experience. Sometimes it's the best thing that can happen to us. Absolutely. Because it oh, makes yeah. you appreciate the successes a hell of a lot more. And you don't get complacent then. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, so you just mentioned like one of the big shifts for you. Um, what I would say or what I call it is switching from a one-to-one model of gaining clients and serving clients to a one-to-many model. Mm-hmm. So, you know, essentially you were, I think before, speaking to people one at a time and then selling into a program which you then delivered one person at a time and then you switched to webinars where you could speak to many people at once, make many sales at once and deliver it in group format. Mm-hmm. Um, what were the, in, the, in that, that kind of rapid growth period, what were the biggest priorities you focused on in the business? What, were, what, were, what was the majority of your time spent on doing? Definitely, it was delivery. Right. So, obviously, there was a lot going on in terms of like now into market a webinar, a lot of sales to make and things like that. But a webinar lends itself to that, right? Like you said, one to many. If you've got 30 people on a webinar, you're having 30 sales calls at once. Yes. That's the reality of it, yeah. which is great. But what quickly became apparent was the more clients you get, the harder it is to serve them. Yeah. So, I realized a lot of my time was going to there. I was coaching even up to not too long ago six hours a day every single day that's intense man it's a lot yeah it takes a lot out of you and that's obviously not sustainable but i don't don't regret that because it's a necessary evil for growth but i had to focus on the delivery because i thought if my product gets worse Mm. the word of mouth is gonna come back and bite me yeah i think it's probably the you know uh, the great opportunity but also the great danger in the kind of culture the social media world that we live in is like Bad news spreads a lot more quickly than good news. So you only have to, you know, let a client or two down and like that will spread like wildfire. Particularly um, my industry. Yeah. It's got yeah. a bad name anyway. So yeah. I'm very aware of that. Hey, real quick, I just want to take a minute to tell you about something really exciting we've got coming up here at Expert Empires. When I speak with my clients, with my fellow business owners, entrepreneurs, there are three key areas I'm hearing people want and need help in. The first one is mindset. How do you overcome the blockages, the barriers, the negative thoughts that inevitably come with running a business? The second one is marketing. Like what's working right now when it comes to generating more leads, more opportunities, more inquiries for your business. And then the third one is money. When you build a successful business, what do you do with your money? How do you save on tax? How do you um, invest to build long-term permanent wealth? And I've got a number of different advisors and consultants that I go to for advice in these areas. What I've done is put together a brand new private two-day event where I'm bringing my advisors, the consultants, the mentors that I go to, bringing them together to advise you for the first time ever in these three areas. To get all the event details and to find out how you can purchase your ticket at the best possible deal, click the link in the description of this episode. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, you know, a lot of people that have been in the teaching stock market investing for a long time, certainly, I mean, since my early days in this industry. Um, what, you know, 15, 20 years ago, there were people running seminars and, you know, not necessarily online courses then, but running seminars and workshops about um, about trading the stock market. Um, let's talk a little bit about investing because um, obviously this is your bag. Uh, you spoke a bit about this at Expert Empires uh, recently. 
um, and shared um, some exercises and some things that I think our audience really loved. Um, I'm, I'm also, it's become a bit of a, a kind of passion of mine as well, more recently. Um, I'm actually listening to the Tony Robbins audiobook, Money, Mastering the Game, at the moment. Talks a lot about asset allocation. Um, and uh, so I'm really getting into that. Um, obviously, you're a stock market guy. Mm-hmm. So what's your view or what are your views on asset allocation, on, on uh, you know, how much of your... Um, your wealth, how much of your pot should you put in stocks or stock market versus any other asset class? Yeah, it's an interesting one because although I am obviously mainly in stocks, I have a property business as well, which I don't really talk about, but I hate property from something I've learned. It's, it's, not a, it's a thankless task, I would say. You only hear from people when something goes wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stocks don't do that, which is quite nice for me. You yeah. know, don't have bad tenants in stocks. But I think the reason I favour stocks as well rather than maybe, let's say, Forex or crypto, other than that. I just get it. Like, I know what a business does. I know what they sell. Like, it just makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I've always quite enjoyed that. Well, and there's a lesson in that as well. Like, I certainly believe that you should stick to what you know. Yeah. And stick to what you're good at. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't diversify a little bit. Um, but it would be foolish for me, who, by the way, doesn't get the stock market, It'd be foolish for me to put 80% of my wealth into stocks mm. um, because I don't really get it. I don't understand it. I've got a small amount of my wealth in stocks, which is also just, you know, not, it's not based upon me trading day in, day out. So I don't really know what I'm doing or what I'm looking for. It's based upon me investing in a fund which tracks, for example. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's smart plays like, do what you really know. Yeah. And so, you know, if you don't know anything about the stock market and you want to get into it, learn it. Someone like Ben's the best person to teach you. Um, but certainly don't just go diving in without any education, right? Which is what everyone does, right? They get sold the dream online that, oh, you know, this is easy, trading's easy. It's, it's just not true. It's, yeah. It can be simple if you learn it, but like anything, it's like a lot of people sign up for a course or watch a video on YouTube and then they start with a, they put some money away and like trying to, that's like kicking a football for the first time. And expecting to play in the Premier League next weekend, like it's just nuts. Yeah, but when it comes to money, people don't get that because we're not taught that. Makes sense. Well, and again, you know, coming back to the education system and you know, seventh and eighth place medals. I also feel the same about money. I'm like, no one teaches this at school, and you know, I'm becoming, um, you know, more and more. You know, I've spent most of my life studying success in various different areas, um, but I'm probably getting more interested in. Um, how money works, how the economy works now, uh, more so than I've ever been. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's something that really should be taught more in schools, more um, to us all at a younger age, because it's a massive source of pain uh, for most people, let's face it. Um, so yeah, you, you've, you've talked a little bit about, obviously you're mostly stocks, got a property business as well, although you hate property. Um, <laughs> What what other uh, assets would you recommend people get into? Or are you, by the way, I don't feel like you have to answer that. No, are no, you no. just, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd do this in stocks and property and that's it. I do have some money in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah. As long-term plays that I'm not looking at, 10 years, whatever happens, happens, I'm cool with that. Yeah. But that's a small amount. Yeah. Maybe let's say 5%. Yeah. Because even though it has the potential to do well, I don't understand it as much as the others. So I'd say it's directly proportional to how much I understand it to... Yes, which is smart. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you are a smart 
investor, a smart young man when it comes to investing, but you do like to splash out of it. <laughs> um, what has been your biggest extravagance in terms of what something you've purchased? It's got to be the car. You reckon the car it has to be the car? It's a monster, man. I, like we're, we're, um, we're, we're recording this in my office. If you're listening, then you can't see us. But we're sat in my office. Um, and uh, when Ben arrives at our office, you know it's him because you can hear it pull up onto the car park. Um, what car have you got for everyone who's listening? A Mustang. Mustang. It is an absolute monster. <laughs> um, but I do think it's important um, to, to talk a little bit about um, something that I've, I've learned in the Tony Robbins audio book um, is about having your different kind of like buckets, as he calls it. And he goes, you know, yes, you want your, you want your kind of um, safety bucket which is where you would purchase assets that are very low risk, but probably not massive return either, but they're steady. You've got your high risk, high return bucket, and then you've got your dream bucket. Mm. And I think a lot of us get, um, a lot of us don't appropriately do, like split out our wealth into these three buckets. I think a lot of people put it all in the dream bucket and spend it and then have nothing in the other two. Um, some people go too safe and then you can't really get any kind of growth and you'll never be financially free doing that. Um, and equally, and this is probably more my pattern over the years, um, I, I would put a lot in the high risk, high return bucket, um, which sometimes pays off and you go, wow, well, hey, what a win, but unlikely it's going to pay off consistently over time. And so I think it's about diving diversifying or, or splitting your wealth between those three buckets. And by the way, you get to decide, I get to decide, everyone gets to decide what portion of their wealth they put into the three. I mean, when I was in my 20s, it all went in the dream bucket. <laughs> it was fast cars, expensive gear, luxury holidays, but it was only that. Mm. Like, you know, I'm fortunate that I get to do a lot of those things now, but that's only a portion that goes into the dream bucket, as it were rather than everything that goes into the green bucket. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I think you touched on a point there. Time is a massive factor in that, like yeah. how much time you do have. Because when you're younger, like I don't have kids, I don't have like, so I don't have the responsibilities. So for me, taking the bigger risks makes sense. Like what's the worst that happened? I lose it and then I've got the next four years to get it back. Like it's, yeah. It doesn't seem like a risk. Yeah. Whereas when you've got a lot more on your plate, a lot more responsibilities, yeah, you do have to be a bit more careful with it. But I think it's how you utilize those items as well. Like. I, I, we joke about the, the car and that, but I bought that for a very specific reason. Like I said to myself, I will not buy that until I hit six figures in my business. Yeah, like profit, and that drove me to it. Yeah, like that well, and, really and that was also, you know, I suppose you've you've got the discipline that said you didn't buy it until mm -hmm. you reached that milestone. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, we live in a culture, a society where people want that that. Instant, instant gratification, gratification yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that's actually um certainly i think prevents more people from having the success they want financially mm. um you teach people how to trade the stock market in as little as five minutes a day how how is it possible to do it in such a short amount of time because that sounds by the way it sounds too good to be true let me play devil's advocate it's, if anyone's listening to this, they go, hmm, that sounds a bit too good to be true. So, like, explain. Yeah, it's actually really simple. It's because a 
cut out all the fluff. Mm-hmm. People love to sound more intelligent than they really are. They love to, you know, fluff things up, put a lot of complexity in it. And when you actually cut that back, there's actually not much to it. As long as you're, you're focusing on the right things. Kind of like business, I guess. You can make a business as complicated as you like. Yeah. You have all these different funnels, different campaigns, all these different. Whereas if you had one business, you do one group of people you're aiming for, one product, you can make it very simple. And that's kind of the approach I take of trading. Like I don't want to be spending all day in front of my screen watching analyzing charts. Like, so I've done that life. That was horrible. Like, I hated yeah. that. So when you do cut out the rubbish and like, oh, I actually only need this, this, and this, mm-hmm. it becomes very simple. But not to poo-poo the uh, industry, but people sell things that are a lot more complicated because then you need them. Yeah, yeah. You, then you need to keep signing up for their stuff. Yeah, of course. And and I think, you know, what you've done really, really well um, is you've put together like a, a three-month, well, what was a course and coaching program, that's a group program, which, which basically gives all the tools that you need in three months and then it's up to the individual as to how they go and implement that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the only way you can teach it all in three months and do it in less than five minutes a day is by really simplifying it and I think you do that really well. I think, you know, I've tried to do a similar thing with how you run a business. Look, there's loads of little complexities around how you run a business, but ultimately, you know, if you get a few core things right, if you understand the core principles first, then, you know, it becomes uh, a lot a lot easier. But you know that I talk a lot about, um, we mentioned it earlier, you know, your ability to manage your mental, your emotional state and how important that is in being successful in business. Um, not being a, you know, a, big trader myself um i suspect it's the same in trading like being able to manage your mental and emotional state is quite important i think you know the whole market is based on fear and greed right absolutely um, so so how do you how do you manage your mental and emotional state as a trader and as a business person simple so especially especially with trading very easy just have a step-by-step strategy yeah. that you have to follow like the reason it takes less than five minutes a day is because it's just, I do this, then this, then this. There's no thinking involved. There's no, oh, I feel like this is going to happen. I feel like that. You've got to get rid of that. You've got to remove the emotion or you will make mistakes like people do. When you take that into your business, I've found the best way to do that is through other people holding me accountable. So whether that's a team, whether that's a business partner, whatever it may be, in that if they're keeping you grounded, like you said you would do this today, you need to do this. It's not like, oh, it's easy to be the ideas guy yeah. and just go up in all directions. But if you have that thing that's like, you are doing this, this step is this, this step is this, I find that's really helpful. Yeah, I mean, I, I always say that having a team, um, you know, we've got 25 full-time people in our team now, it's the greatest accountability that I could have because it'd actually be really easy for me to get distracted, to change things, to like test new stuff out. Um, but I kind of can't because I've got this team of people that are relying upon me to keep the ship on a steady course. Um, so actually it's, um, you know, same, same with like, uh, I talk about a lot having structure in your business and having a rhythm of leading and managing um, the different priorities in your business and leading the people. Um, I have to do that in a very structured way. So it's, you know, the same, same meetings that happen every week, every month, every quarter, every year. Now, it'd be easy for me to go, oh, actually, don't want to do that anymore, going to change. But because we've got a team that expects a certain structure, 
then it keeps me on course. So I do think that that's, that's certainly true. What about before you're at the stage where you've got a team? How did you get the accountability then? So that's interesting. I was about to say, it leads back to one of your first questions about like, how do you stay disciplined and start at the start? For me, it was very much about the goals. So the things like the car and stuff, having that as like a, I need to get there. Like, and anything that's going to distract me from that is wrong. That yeah, was helpful. And by the way, like, you know, you are a, what did you say, 28 eight year old um, man. So, you know, like, is it, this is generalization, but, you know, for you, the goal of getting six figures in your business so you can purchase a nice car was a big deal. But, you know, somebody might not like cars or be motivated mm -hmm. by that and they could have something completely different. They could have, you know, taken their family on holiday to somewhere they've always dreamed of going, or it could be, um, it could even be when I've achieved X result, I'm going to invest this much money in this asset and buy a buy to let property or something, yeah. whatever's meaningful or important. It could be, you know, I'm going to donate X amount of money to my favorite charity. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be, you know, cars and stuff. Everyone's different, right? Mm. Um, but it has to be something that. It's truly meaningful want, to you. Like yeah. you truly, because I find this again with like cars and stuff. Everyone likes Lamborghinis. Everyone likes Ferrari. Like it'd be nice to have one, but like for me, for example, the Mustang, a bit different. Like yeah, everyone yeah. has one. It's just because as a kid, I adored them. Like yeah, it was my dog. It's meaningful. So to then you. it was meaningful. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if it was like oh, I want a nice car, I never would have worked for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think having um, a clear goal and some kind of reward associated to it whatever that reward might be for you i think that's really important um because that keeps you disciplined um and i think for for me well you mentioned earlier about having people around you that are, that are playing a bigger game um i think that's that really helps with it can either directly or indirectly give you the accountability like you could have other people around you that are literally your buddies in accountability making sure that you're doing the things you said you would and vice versa um, but even just by being around them, it will, it will cause you to play a bigger game and also i believe people are the next stage of goals after the materialistic things mm -hmm. when you get the materialistic thing you've got them and you're like oh, yeah. you know it's it not quite quickly. Yeah. yeah but then when you can link it to i actually want to take my family away or i want to provide this for my kids or i just want to go on a holiday with my friend whatever it may be for you when you bring other people in and someone else benefits, it does have a lot more of a pull. Like it's a lot more fulfilling. Yeah, I agree for sure. For me, even it was it was just achieving a certain level of success in business, which meant that I was able to spend time around certain people. Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, I need to achieve this in order to prove my worth to be able to get around these people in the first place. And then you know, the fact is, um, you know. And, yeah, this podcast is called the Empire Builders Podcast. So I think it's a fair assumption that we all want to build our business empires, whatever that means for you. Like for me, one of the one of the coolest things is getting to spend time around really cool, successful people. Um, you know, and, and I think that was a big driver for certainly for me. I think it has been for you as well. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Even I know talking about mastermind, even just leveling up to the next group. Yeah. You're like, oh, I want to be around those people. They're doing this that I didn't even think was possible for me. So it's just, that's a simple example of it. But yeah, if you can get a goal that includes other people, mm -hmm. I found that that's a much bigger draw. Yeah, But you don't get that at the start. I, 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 didn't, I would never have believed you could sell to me that 18 months ago. Yeah, and I think everyone's on the journey, you know, yours was first goal car, yeah. got that and then went, oh, 
that's nice, but the novelty wears off quite quickly. Now what? And then, you know, it's, it's more around the people and the experiences that you can have. Um, and ultimately, you know, that's, I think it's a case of knowing yourself, being self-aware enough to decide what it is that's going to make the biggest difference for you. Um, if people want to follow you on Instagram, as I already do, and you follow me back, which is great. Um, if people want to follow you on Instagram and check out uh, you know, your content and learn more about how they can trade the stock market in less than five minutes a day, what is your Instagram handle? It's at Ben Knight Investments. At Ben Knight Investments. Jav will put that in the show notes. There might be a link or two we can share to resources as well that Ben's got. Um, that can help and support. So, um, Ben Knight, thanks for joining me on Empire Builders. Jav, thanks for setting up the equipment at a moment's notice. Appreciate <laughs> you. Because we, we'd not told Jav that we were doing this interview. So I was like, hey, where's all the stuff? Need setting it up. So thanks, Jav. Appreciate you as always. Um, and uh, of course, those that are watching on YouTube, listening to the podcast, we'd appreciate you sharing the love. Um, any questions you've got, pop them in the comments on YouTube um, and any uh, we really appreciate you giving us um, a little review as well on your favourite podcast platform. Ben Knight, thanks for joining us. Cheers for having me. Cheers. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms, and uh, share the love, tell your friends. Remember, till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect.